Vinicius. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the crease dive. Today is Friday, April 5th. We are in the thick of conference play right now. It is a uh, it's it's a great time to be a lax fan. The calendar has turned over to April. And with us again, we've got CMS at Call Me Shitto on Twitter and Instagram. Jake, welcome. This is April. That's right. This is April. I think that's why they call it March Madness. Uh, I'm glad we made it to April, man. It was looking March was probably one of those super felt like a long month, but here we are. So let's get into it. Yeah, March definitely it's. It March is like, yeah, it's definitely 31 days, right? And then it's like coming right off of February. That's only like 28. So you kind of like, not only is it a long month to begin with, but you're coming right off of 28 unless it's 29, which is a leap year. I never trust anyone who was born on February 29th. That's nope. uh, it's besides the fact. Um, but yeah, so March out of the way. We're in it. It's it's the final month before we get into May madness. Um, real quick, I I want to mention this up front because I always forget to do this. I, I I end up doing it a little bit later in the show. Uh, but we do have an interview with ESPN's Anish Shroff a little bit later in this episode. Um, great conversation with Anish. He he gets into uh gets into his craft a little bit, and it is without doubt the most beautiful voice to grace this podcast. No offense, Jake, or anything like that. Um, but yes. Yeah, Done taken, <laughs> but uh, you know, but Anish got it, got a chance to no, he didn't because it was Big Ten. But either way, Anish will call some pretty big games down the line. But the biggest game of, in in recent history, the number one Penn State Nittany Lions took a trip down to College Park, Maryland. This was a Sunday night, seven p.m. We had Carrie Underwood saying that she was waiting all day for Sunday night for Penn State versus the Maryland Terps in a Big Ten showdown. And for the first time in, I, I believe, history, the Nittany Lions hold off the Terps and take home the W. Um, you get a, you get a chance to to watch that that nice little Sunday night lax matchup. You know, I'm going to go ahead and tell on myself here, but I passed my 200 hour yoga certification this weekend, so I was just tired as fuck. I did not watch. I caught the highlights though, uh, and I think for just like me, um, you know, if you're if you're just tuning in and you you know, you saw the score and you're like, what the heck? You know, yeah, the, the big thing to note here is that Penn State jumped out to an 8-1 lead. So well, I'll, Penn, I'll State tell you this. Came, Penn you, State came hot. You, you, you're you doing yoga, namaste, like stay, <laughs> staying calm and everything like that. That's right. The Terps are probably doing so because they were getting their dicks kicked all the way in. Their dicks were inside their chest. They were getting bullied by the Nittany Lions, but then they went on a nice little run of their own. So, you know, maybe, maybe Tillman just has the boys all nominated out. Maybe he does. Maybe, you know, I know, I know the boys up at Duke do a lot of yoga, but um, the other thing is, uh, you know, I got, I'm worried about my boy Grant Amit. Uh, he was out there for the first quarter and then, you know, he had a, he had a scary fall and now he's, you know, he's, he's questionable again. Um, you know, you, you got to hope that that's not, uh, something that's going to keep plaguing him throughout his career. You know, feet are a uh, important thing. Um, you know, you got to walk on them, you got to run on them. You got they get a lot of wear and tear. Uh, but I think this also proves that Penn State is not just Grant Emmett. You know, Penn State's not just their you know their 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 big guy. They're way more than that, and that's a scary thing. You know, like uh, you take 
you know, you could probably do the same thing if you took Pat Spencer away from from Loyola. You know, that Loyola's still got some game. Um, there's just some teams that you can you can't take away your your big number one guy and still have the same team. And Penn State showed that. Yeah, and, and but I, like I think the thing is is like like eat. Like having him out on the field is like that's what the difference maker is because like even Grant Amen, if he's like operating at like seventy five ish percent with his foot, like he's he's still a difference maker out there. Like he's still like demands the attention of the defense. Um, so just like having him out there, like at all, like that, you know, you, teams have to watch out for him. Teams have to watch out for Mac O'Keefe. Like they know, like that's where most of their attention is getting divided in. And so then in comes a freshman, Jack Trainer, um, and, and he comes in and he sticks. I, I think he, he had, he, I know he had at least two. He might have ended up with three goals in that game. Um, but like, so just having a kid like Random Man out there, like, opens up the field a little bit for those, you know, for, for some guys that, um, you know, might not have been at the top of the scouting report, you know, kids like Jack Trainer there. Um, so like, like that's, I, I think that that's going to be big for Penn state moving forward because like we saw it a few years ago with Brown and, and Dylan Malloy's injury. Um, you know, they they still made it to the final four. Obviously it didn't really go their way once they were here in Philly for the final four, but like just having them out there, even if he wasn't, you know, going a hundred percent, like that, like it just changes the way that defense has to play against you. That's true. It's a, you know, it's also a morale thing. Like, you know, you got guys rallying behind your, you know, your, your, your big man out there, literally with Dylan Malloy, just a huge guy, but um, literally, you know, unit. your big man. Yeah. Your unit. And so, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I was genuinely surprised, you know, they escaped the number one curse, which, you know, hats off to Penn state for being able to do it. Yeah. And, and not only did they escape the number one curse, but I, again, it, it, I'm almost positive that Penn State has never beaten Maryland before. I know that they were saying something on the broadcast where uh, Tambroni said that Penn State's records have them like winning like two games or something like that. Um, I mean, listen, I probably wouldn't trust anything that the administration at Penn State is throwing our way. Um, but definitely, so, <laughs> but to so to you know to stay alive as number one on the road against a, a Maryland team that. Um, you know, is, is, you know, they've been in the final four the past like decade. They're probably going to come at least close to going back again this year. So like to, to pull off that win on the road on a Sunday night too, is, uh, pretty big for them. I mean, that was only their like second game in like 21 days. So I don't think people really like realize how difficult it is to like, like stay like in gate, like, like no one's really like buzzing, like practice is one thing but like you got to be like buzzing around and clicking in in games um to like really get yourself a, in a nice little flow there and you know they had like almost two full weeks off before they played against cleveland state they didn't have the best game against cleveland state obviously it meant wasn't playing in that one um you know and then they have to go like another eight days until they play sunday night in maryland so um you know to come out and and like that start too like they were there was no rust. They came out and they were again, like foot to dick contact, like right there on the tip, just kicking away. I mean, it, it, totally. I think that um, you know, it, it also tells to uh, to Tillman and the and the and the Terps to you know um, hacking away at that lead because you know if you get you get you, you come out and you you just you know nothing's working for you. You know, you've been there as a coach. I'm sure you're like you know it's seven minutes into the game and they've already, you're already down five, one or, 
you know, it's 12 minutes into the game and you're down eight, one, you know, your boys are better than this. You know, it, it plays to the coaching staff too. And the boys do the, you know, they got to know that they got to play well under pressure and they did, you know, they, they, they battled back a little bit. Um, you know, they did what they could, but, you know, ultimately Penn state came out on top and, you know, I, I mean, that was, that was big for, for big 10, you know, that was a huge big 10 play that, that really could bite Maryland in the ass. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a matchup that we will 100% see again at some point this season, whether it's, sure. whether it's the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. Um, real quick, just a quick step away from the college game. Um, so, you know, turned over to April. So we're only now a couple months away from the start of the pro season. Um, so I, I believe both the MLL and the PLL will be starting June 1st. Um, but for the MLL and, and other big lacrosse news this week they will be down three teams to start the season um so it, it came out fucking horrible horrible timing to put the, on april fool's day in the morning hmm. they come out with the announcement uh that the charlotte hounds the florida launch and the ohio machine will be suspending um play this year that they the release says that you know that the plan is for the hounds to come back in like 2021 i haven't heard anything like that with the launch and the machine um real quick though i do want to say like it's to put that out on april fool's day not only is it like so fucking idiotic to like not think that through but it, it was so bad for me because little humble brag here, I put that news out first. I I, I threw that news out at like you know like eight fifteen in the morning on uh, on on Monday. There, you know, I I had had Big J here had had some sources reach out to me the week prior, say hey, like keep an eye out for you know some some fuckery is afoot, and and just be ready for something like this to happen. Got the a okay on Monday morning. I tweeted out there. Everybody thinks I'm just joking. Everyone's like, oh, this is such a great like April Fool's joke. Like, you know, like how funny would that be if three teams like actually couldn't play this MLL season? We're only two months away. And I'm like, yo, that's not a joke. Like I'm out here breaking news and you guys are fucking twiddling your dicks around thinking that it's an April Fool's joke. And then you don't believe me until the press release comes out. So like that, if I had to guess anything, maybe that's like sabotage by the MLL to make sure like I didn't get a scoop that was taken seriously. I mean, it could be. I think that they're, you know, you you are the big J. You know, you are the big the big J, the the big J in the lacrosse journalism world. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to sabotage you. But definitely, you know, the social media person out there uh, for the MLL. You know, I I understand you got a lot on your plate, but you know, uh, we're 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 getting to that age where millennials are huge about brands. You know, and like the first thing you got to think when you're tweeting something out is like. You know, what's my audience going to think of this? First of all, flip over your calendar. It's fucking April Fool's. You could tweet. You could tweet that the MLL is taking it to you know. You literally like that. Like that's the one day of the year where brands just go nuts. They tweet whatever the fuck they want. They, it they is. Tweet, it's like, the Wild West on Twitter. Absolutely, on it's become just insane. Like every big brand in the entire country just goes nuts, and you decide to tweet a serious story. What do you? How long have you been on the internet? Like yeah. all you, all you got to do is say like, 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 like lessen the blow a little bit. Like April first, tweet out like, uh, you know, this year like we plan to play our all star game like on the moon. People would be like, yeah. oh, like well, that's funny. That's over fools. And then like the next day, like you can just like slide in there. Like 
oh, but like, you know, like that was a joke, but like this part, you know, like, hey, these three teams aren't playing this year. Um, you know, and then people be like, oh, well, like that kind of sucks. But like the moon joke was like, okay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's get, schedule the tweet. Like you can schedule the tweet. There's like Sprout Social, like TweetDeck does it. Like you can do that. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, I'm glad that Atlanta got to keep the franchise. Um, I, I can tell you right now that the Atlanta franchise, the Blaze, the games are um, – they're they're pretty full. Um, it's a hopping little place. I I'm so confused though because Charlotte's become a pretty big hotbed. You know, not not a hotbed. Sorry, I won't use the word. They become a pretty big location for lacrosse. You I, know, Florida I think, the same way. I think you know. that yeah. So Florida is like a weird situation because they were playing at like Florida Atlantic, but I, I don't know okay. if that was a thing. Like I I think that the plan is that like Charlotte has a new stadium that's like okay. in the works, so they'll like come back when that's a thing. Um. And now listen, realistic, like I I think that like the execution of making that announcement on April Fool's Day sucked. But like the the business part of of this move, like like it, it, you know, it it sucks that like some coaches are out of a job now. It sucks that like some like front office people are out of a job now. Um, you know, so like that, like that part of it's bad. but like in terms of the MLL being able to survive, I think it was like pretty necessary. Um, they've done it before right you know this this happened a few years ago yeah you know, and they came back pretty strong well you know and and like you know so so they made like a, a pretty big deal about like wanting to like make sure that like one owner only owns like one team so you know this jim david the uh new balance guy he owned like four teams so i think you know all three of these were, were teams that he owned um so like they, they were making it about that but like realistically like you, you look at the player pool like they're obviously great lacrosse players that like you know weren't getting a chance in the mll to begin with just because there weren't like so many teams but like now when you have to compete with the pll like again don't get me wrong like the the nine rosters full of mll players already they're all great lacrosse players but like when you put them up against rabel baptiste um you know guys like jordan wall like like the biggest names and the best players in the world you can't have, you know, nine rosters full of guys who, you know, maybe, you know, play like in the Mac and shit like that. So, um, you know, I think that being able to now kind of, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like concentrate the, the rosters and, you know, have, have it a little less watered down, I think is good for them. Um, they also said that they plan on getting like a, like a TV deal, which is also going to be huge because yeah. no offense to LSN, but like nobody's, going onto your website to watch an MLL game in the middle of the summer. Like, yeah, come on. Like, like I, I, it's the middle of the summer. I'm not, I'm not like sitting in like my office on my laptop. Like I'm, I might be like at a bar where I can be like, Hey, bartender, like flip through the channels, um, you know, or I'll, or I'll be on the beach, but like, no one's just like being like, Oh, Hey guys, like you have all these awesome plans for the summer. Well, I'm going to go hang out and like be on my computer to watch this game. Yeah, fuck, dude. You you're not gonna catch me at a Blaze game, you know, in the in the Georgia heat. You know, it's 105 degrees, and you well, know, you could you could do some yoga out there, though, right? That's right, that's right. I could do some hot yoga on the field. Hey, uh, anybody with the Atlanta Blaze is listening, um, I am perfectly free to do corporate yoga. So just hit my line. Um, otherwise, like you know, yeah, the, I, I'm sure that the the business ram, ramifications, the MLL, have probably been, you know thought out pretty well and i and i i think the, the mll will survive and i think the pll will will also you know 
I think they'll both thrive. I think there, I think the market is there. People, you know, have taken the opportunity to just, you know, blast lacrosse the past few few weeks. It seems like on the internet, but you know, that's none of my business. You guys are so mad about something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it 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 makes sense. Just the business side of it makes sense. The execution of doing it on April Fool's Day, you you just you got to know it gets an it gets an F. It gets like, an F. You, you just, you gotta have, you know, like when you're a player, you gotta have like game awareness, situational awareness. Like when you're a professional sports league and a brand, like you have to realize that like people on the internet on April fool's day, they're there for like chips ahoy coming out and saying that, you know, they are going to start making cookies out of like uh steak and, and people, you know, just like dumb bullshit on the internet. You don't announce that three teams are folding. You know, and hopefully they learn their lesson and they can move past it, right? But m- moving to some some positive things on the internet, um, mm. let, let let's let's talk about what's what's been going on with with you lately, and how you may have just uh, got yourself invited to uh, to be a part of a a family of a Drexel lacrosse player. I'll, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, away. man. I, I was you know I was doing my thing. I was looking through rosters. You know, as as any 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 normal human being does right and you know i'm reading through stuff and you know i, I go to i'm on drexel's page and i'm going to my boy colin mailman you know just classic name awesome awesome dude six split uh huge cock i'm sure um and then i go to the bottom and his mom's government birth name is canada mailman and of course you know i'm like this is this is internet gold people need to know about this i can't be the only one who knows about this so I shared it on Twitter and I'm sure, you know, I, as soon as I hit send, I was like, they're going to tag him and, you know, this is going to be awesome. And lo and behold, you know, on this terrible hellscape known as twitter.com, some wholesome content, you know, she had like a Twitter account. She'd made like nine, his mom, Canada, had like a, a Twitter <laughs> account she made like nine years ago and tweeted herself, tweeted a picture of herself to me, like, you know, we love you too. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like, can I be invited to y'all's Thanksgiving, you know, or like a Drexel lacrosse tailgate or something like well, this? Well, it'd, Cana- it'd probably be Canadian Thanksgiving. So what is that, uh, Columbus, Columbus Day for us? Uh, I think Flag Day, maybe. I'm not sure. It's something like that. It's, you know, June. It's the opposite. You know, it's like the opposite since, you know, it may, it, you know, Canada's up here. We're down yeah, here. The, kind the, of flip-flop the, everything. The, the, the toilets go the other way, I think. It's, it's right. It's a different hemisphere, technically. <laughs> so, you know, just some, just some real wholesome stuff. And it was really, you know, nice to, you know, not, you know, have, you know, you know the normal of like five people telling me to kill myself on the internet every day. So, uh, yeah. That was that was my that was my week. It made my week, and I figured we'd talk about it on the pod because you know, such a drag sometimes. You know, talking about people you know losing and and you know who's hot, who's not. You know, but here we are. It's yeah. cool stuff. Canada mailman is confirmed a saint. Um, That's right. Need need to know what the uh, what what the maiden name was. You know, definitely because like Canada mailman. That's. I don't know, what you riding around on a moose, what you, like a Canadian mailman, like a, a Mountie or something like that. So I need to know like what uh what what the what the maiden name was there and see if there was like if that was like thought out or maybe like, you know, the mailman's grandparents are just big fans of everything going on up north. Yeah, I bet they're huge hockey fans. So there you yeah. have that. Yeah, you gotta be. Um but yeah, 
just great, wholesome content. The kind of stuff we love to see on Twitter.com. Everyone goes nuts for wholesome content and, and no one ever wants to complain. Um, so yeah, with, with, with that on a positive note, we'll, uh, we'll keep the good vibes rolling here and we will kick it right over to our interview with ESPN's Anish Shroff. Uh, I don't know what games off the top of my head are on, uh, ESPN U this weekend, but I'm, I'm assuming that it, you know, probably get Virginia, North Carolina or Duke, Notre Dame. So you can Hopkins, be, Hopkins Rutgers is on there. Hopkins Rutgers. So uh, you'll be able to hear that beautiful voice on Saturday calling the Hopkins Rutgers game, but you will be able to hear that beautiful voice right here, right now on the crease dive. Let's kick it over to Anish Shroff. All right, and with us right now, we have the voice of college lacrosse from ESPN, Anish Shroff, on the podcast, here to bless the crease dive with that voice. So, Anish, thank you for coming on, and glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so so we're in the thick of it now. We're, yeah. you know, we're now the, the calendar just turned. Uh, changed over here to April. Um, so people have been getting to hear that voice for, you know, a good two months already. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, how's, how's the season been going uh, from your standpoint up in the booth? It's been fun. You know, it's been fun. I think this is our third year now where it's been, you know, myself, Quentin Kark, um, I'm the main crew. And so, you know, every year you kind of try to build off the previous year. What can you do differently? Um, you know, what new material do they have? What kind of stories can you tell? How can you dig a little deeper, add an extra layer? And, uh, you know, kind of being in this role for me, you further build some of these relationships and that gives you entry points and access points that you didn't have. So it's been fun. It's been fun. And this year has been, you know, I feel we, we say this every year, but it's been as unpredictable um, as any year we've had in recent memory. We've had a lot of crazy years, but a lot of results, a lot of games this year don't have any rhyme or reason, which I think makes it fun. Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, we're recording this on on Monday, so I, you know, just this past Sunday, um, you know, Penn State was able to to take down Maryland down there in College Park, and like, so that'll be what's it, like four weeks in a row now where Penn State's like I don't remember the last time that we've had a team that was like a consensus number one in the rankings for more than like two or three weeks. It seems like someone's always getting knocked off. So, um, I mean, I guess credit to like Penn state, but yeah, like you said, it, it's just been chaos this whole season. Yeah. I thought two years ago, really, I thought 2016 and 2017, I thought Maryland was the best team. Now they lost in the final in 2016. They won it all in 2017, but I thought for those two years, Maryland had hands down slam dunk the best team. The last year, Yale showed flashes of that. They had that win against Albany, and then you know, they get pummeled by Cornell right before the NCAA tournament. So as great as Yale ended up being, you weren't really sure what Yale was. They kind of had to prove themselves once they got into the NCAA tournament. I think what the Penn State-Maryland game last night did was sort of establish, okay, you know, we've got everybody else and then Penn State. And the Nittany Lions – if Grant Ament, I think, functions at 80%, to me, they're the team to beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, uh, you know, de definitely a few times in that game on, on Sunday night where you could tell he was, uh, you know, he hesitating a little bit. Um, uh, he had he had one shake last night where he, he 
got a kid hung up at X and and took it. He could have turned the corner, but I think uh, I think that foot was was hampering him a little bit. Um, a guy like 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 so like I get to get on here on the podcast and you know kind of just like hype up some of these guys, but it's like a few days after the fact by the time that the podcast already comes out or like maybe I'm just like tweeting out like clips on social media and stuff like that. Um, but for a guy like you, like right there in the moment, like, like you gotta, you gotta put the words to, to like hype up a move, like, you know, a kid like a man, um, you know, or, or something crazy like, uh, like the Hoga does like how, how, how are, how are, uh, you know, players like that for you? Like, I, I guess what I'm asking is like how how much fun is it to be able to like put the voice to um, just some of those ridiculous highlights that we've been getting to see, you know, it, it's getting just crazier and crazier throughout the years here. Yeah. You know, what's really amazing. So last week I did the Denver Princeton game and that was the first Princeton game I had called since Michael Sowers had joined the team. So first live look, at Sowers, and you know, you hear all these things. You know, you've watched him on tape. You know, you've watched on TV, and then you sort of see him in person, and you almost, you know, for me, I, I don't like to, I don't like to be canned. You know, I think you always want to stay in the moment, be organic, and whatever comes to you. And so, you know, you're watching this kid, and I, I swear, I mean, the reason I'm a lacrosse fan, the reason I, you know was introduced to lacrosse was Mikey Powell. And I graduated the same year as Powell did at Syracuse. And so I got to watch him for four years. And watching Michael Sowers Tuesday against Denver, that that's the closest that I've seen to Mikey Powell. And people have asked me, oh, what about Grant Amen? I said, you know, listen, Amen's got a lot of the same moves. He's not the scorer that Sowers is. And that's, I think, a little bit of the difference. You know, Amen's a phenomenal passer. The vision is there. Not that he can't score, not that he's – not a good score, but to me, Sowers is an elite feeder, elite vision, also an elite finisher. Um, and I think that element separates him. He's the closest thing I've seen to Powell. It's a shame that Princeton hasn't been able to really put a team around him. I mean, the kid can't face off. The kid can't play defense. He can't play in the middle of the field. That's not on him. Um, it would be a shame if, if, you know, he plays four years at Princeton and the lacrosse world doesn't get to see him in the NCAA tournament. But to your point, you know, when it's Tahoga trucking a guy, and um, I think the word I used last year was Amtrak, you know, because <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was the train coming at you. So it's whatever, you know, you kind of sense in the moment um, with those great athletes. And you don't want to – I think sometimes if you think of what you're going to say, it detracts from being amazed in the moment. And when you're amazed in the moment, that visceral reaction, I, I think that says more than any canned phrase or – or catchphrase or line that you might be sitting on. Yeah, but like, but when you get to do a game like with Michael Sowers there, or you like, you know that you're you're covering, um, you know, so, like you know that you're covering a game with an absolute star. Like, you know, so if you're the other team and you're going through the scouting report for that week's game, like you're you're in the locker room there, you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, like shit, like we gotta, you know, we gotta watch out for Sowers here, like, oh shit, we gotta watch out for Dehoga here. Right. Um, when you're preparing for a game like that, like, do you, like, do you know, like, like when, when you're getting a guy like that and you're like, all right, like I gotta, I gotta bring my game here. Like you might not be like, you you might not be like brainstorming exactly what you're going to say, but like, that does it, do you kind of get a little amped up for those games? Oh, 100%. You know, I don't think it's a secret. You know, we sell the stars. Um, and I think I always look at lacrosse to me, not having been, 
you know, a lacrosse guy growing up per se, I always look at it as, okay, every game is an opportunity to sell the sport to guys who used to be like me, who didn't really know anything about lacrosse, but saw a Mikey Powell or maybe guys who saw Lyle Thompson and became a fan. So when I see a, a Nanakoke or a Miles Jones or a Nakai Montgomery or a Sowers or a Spencer or a T, you know, I'm always thinking, all right, like, this is a chance now to grow the game, to sell the game, because if you're flipping through the channels and we can make this guy relatable to you and we can say, listen, you're about to see some insane wizardry, insane stick skills, insane lateral movement, brute force, whatever it might be, whatever their strength might be, those guys have a chance to make a fan of somebody who doesn't know anything about lacrosse just by watching for five minutes. And I always kind of put you know, myself in the shoes that I was when I was a freshman in college where I didn't know anything about lacrosse and I was learning the sport and watching high school and I saw Michael Powell. It doesn't take you that long to realize the kid's not just good, but he's something special. And when you see a great athlete, you know, if you've never watched hockey before and somebody says, hey, your introduction to hockey is four years of Gretzky, or you've never seen basketball and your introduction to basketball is four years of, of Pete Maravich or Magic Johnson, you're going to become a fan of the sport. And so I always look at those guys, those transcendent talents, those elite guys as having the potential to do that. So when we're doing their games, I get amped up because if they do something special, that's a chance not just to have a big moment within the game, that's a chance to sell the game to people who may not be familiar with it. Yeah. And that's actually a, a like a really good point that you bring up where like you're, you know, you're trying to attract fans that like new fans that, you know, might just, you know, have, have never gotten a chance to like actually watch like, you know, a great lacrosse player before or even a lacrosse game before. Um, but like lacrosse has been in, in this like weird stage where, um, you know, I, I think like, you know, if, if you're someone who it has been like a diehard fan of the sport for a while, and then you're watching some games on TV, um, you know, at least in like some years past where, you know, like you're watching the game and all of a sudden, like you're getting, you know, like offsides explained to you because like, you know, and I understand like what it is. It's like, you're trying to attract new fans that are watching and like these people might not know anything about lacrosse. So you gotta, you know, try to find like a balance between like, calling the game the way that it's supposed to be played or called, but then yeah. like also kind of explaining the game to, to maybe some people who, you know, just stop while they were flipping through the channel. Um, so I, I, my, my question with that would be like, like, do you think that lacrosse is, is almost reaching that point where you no longer, you know, like the way you would call a football game or a basketball game, you know, no one's really explaining, uh, you know, like an onside kick in a, in a football game. So do you think that lacrosse is almost at that point? Um, and then secondly, you know, like how, how do you find like the balance between like not, you know, like d dumbing down the broadcast a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because it's something that, you know, we're always tinkering with. So my philosophy has always been in the beginning of the season to dumb it down <laughs> because you're never sure hey, what lacrosse dad has a son playing the sport for the first time, right? And, hey, let's go watch lacrosse. So in the beginning of the season, I'll ask a lot of questions to my analysts that I, I may know the answer to. And, you know, people are like, oh, he doesn't know what a, a big little is because he's asking Paul or Carp to explain it. Like, I know what a big little is, right? You know, when you got the long pole behind you and you're bringing the, you know, the guy who's got the short stick and, and, and you know, setting the pick. So, but 
when those guys say it, I don't want anybody to be lost. You know, and I always, again, think back to, to myself as a novice lacrosse fan 20 years ago. And I, I enjoyed it when Quint would explain that. I enjoyed it when the guys would kind of break that down and say, okay, like, the, the, you know, even if something is simple, this is what an invert is, right? And so beginning of the season, I'll try to do a little more of that. Then I think once we get into the meat of the regular season, you know, you're sort of in the thick of the storylines, the season, the games, what's at stake, um, moving towards selection Sunday. You know, you, you prob- I probably won't do too much of that now, except maybe with the new rules, the shot clock and the crease time. Then once we get into May, uh, now, you know, our research tells us we do get new viewers. You know, our ratings are the highest in May. So for all the people who are coming to us for the first time, I don't want anybody to feel like we're being exclusive here. Hey, this is just our lingo. You know, whatever we're talking about here, you know, why is that called a, a, a face dodge? You know, what's the strategy when you double pull the wings? You know, uh, the 10-man ride. Again, you know, little things that every lacrosse fan, oh, these dummies, I, I, I know what they're talking about. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, I think part of the realization is you're going to be watching anyway, right? And, and we know you're going to be there. And we appreciate you guys being there. But if there's somebody else who's new to it, um, we don't want them to feel, hey, this is not for you. And we want to make that sport accessible. So I think once we get into May, and I think the deeper we get into the tournament, um, you know, you'll hear us compare the 10-man ride to the full court press using cross-sport analogies to just, I think, ease the transition um, for people who are just coming to us for the first time. Because, you know, frankly, there, there's a lot of people who don't watch any lacrosse and they're lacrosse fans until we get to championship weekend. And they're the casual fans. They don't know all the rules, but, oh, hey, yeah, I like lacrosse. Yeah, 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 Memorial Day weekend. We got it on, you know, while, while we're, you know, out grilling by the barbecue. And so, okay, fine. So, like, for those people, um, you can't feel – you can't – you, can, you don't want to make them feel left out because, you know, part of me thinks, having been in this as long as I've been in, I think the whole grow the game mantra that we kind of spread, I think a lot of it is bullshit <laughs> because – you know, we say it, grow the game, grow the game, grow the game. And then there's a lot of people I actually feel are very comfortable with wanting lacrosse to be a niche sport and don't really want it to grow. And they get a little perturbed when we cater to the sports fan. And I, I always kind of think, I go like, I'm, you know, I'm a voice on ESPN for lacrosse and I'm a perfect example of a sports fan who came to your sport. And so there's got to be other people out there like me, right? So I, I want to see it grow, and, and I cover other sports. So, you know, to me, I, I don't want this to remain like this small niche in this insider's club. I'd like to see it accessible to everybody and everybody enjoy it. And if we got to, you know, tear down some perceptions and stereotypes, you know, in the process, so be it. Yeah. Well, so like I, I see that, you know, you're very active on social media. So I'm sure that you're very well familiar with lacrosse Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it, it like for some reason, lacrosse Twitter is like, you know, and like, you know, every sport like complains about their own Twitter. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like a hockey guy as well. And like, I always oh, like hockey Twitter sucks. And, and right. But like for some reason, I, lacrosse Twitter, just like, like anything good that happens, like, or any like, you know, any news that like comes it, for some reason, it's always just so negative there. And I mean, I guess that's probably like Twitter in general, um, yeah, yeah, but, but like there, I mean, there are just like so many things where, you know, it, like lacrosse fans like should be like, all right, like, yeah, like this is, you know, great. Like people, new eyes on the, on the game, you know, every, you know, 
like all all press is going to be good press or like whatever you know but then you know you just get people bitching about oh well they like the dive shouldn't be here anymore like you know you don't know what you're talking like it it's just i don't know it, lacrosse twitter is, is a very strange place where it's like like you guys really shouldn't be like fighting with each other this whole time like it's probably a lot like everything that's happening right now is probably good for the sport you know i've always used the pizza pie analogy i find in the sport you know one of the things that i, I I wish we can change is we have this little pizza pie, right? With that, that's lacrosse and everybody's fighting for a bigger slice when instead we should be thinking how to bake a bigger pie. I, I like, I like that a lot. You know, it's, Oh, it's uh, well, the, you know, the MLL and then the, the PLL and there's, well, you got college lacrosse and you guys don't do it off with D2. And how come you're not talking about D3 and, and, and you're, you're only showing these teams. You're not showing this team. Like, let's just pull back if we can actually expand our audience a little bit right everybody eats and instead you know it turns into this cannibalism right where you know we're all kind of competing for the the same space and i do feel it's a sport that's got a ton of room to grow but instead of you know kind of these different entities just trying to take a larger slice of a smaller pie let's just you know scrap it all together get some more dough and bake a bigger pie um, and I think that helps everybody in the end. And yeah, there's going to be some winners or losers. I mean, this isn't communism here, you know, <laughs> capitalism here, right? I mean, you're watching what's happening with the MLL and PLL. I mean, you know, one's going to live and, you know, one appears, you know, to, to be on a defibrillator right now. But, you know, the point is, um, I think we just need to change the mindset a little bit. And, and, you know, one of the things that I enjoy, I think, working with, you know, guys like Clark and Quint, the fact that we cover other sports, I think it gives you a, a sports perspective in covering lacrosse rather than just a lacrosse perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think like too, but like you guys are bringing in, you know, guys like miles Jones and, and, you know, getting like his perspective on it. And then also even like a call with, uh, you know, with Michael jr, which was, uh, he, he needs to be in, in the booth calling a lot more lacrosse games, but like, um, you know, I, I think that all those perspectives are like great. So like, I don't know, man, I, I it's just, I guess people just love the bitch, which is like pretty, pretty much standard for for, for vehicle. Is there a better vehicle than Twitter for that? It's it's it was invented for bitching. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but really like it, it just like even with, with, you know, with the MLL right now, like, so the news just came out today that, you know, three teams are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to stop operating at least for this season. There's a chance that some of them come back later, but like the biggest thing to come out today was that they were able to get their broadcasting rights back and then they're going to go try to, you know, find a, you know, a, a broadcasting partner for that. And like, that's, that's really where I think that the biggest, um, that like, that should be like the biggest priority for lacrosse. Cause like I always say Memorial day weekends, the biggest, uh, weekend on the lacrosse calendar, not just because it's the national championship, but because like, you're going to get the people who are just flipping through the channels and it's like, Oh, well it's Memorial day weekend. Like nothing else is really going on. Like you might have some baseball, but it's like may baseball. Um, you know, so like you're you're gonna get people to stop, and then when it's on the T, it's like yeah, like yo, the the sport is fucking sweet. It's just you never knew about it because you know you, you never really got a chance to to watch it that often. Um, so you know when you get the PLL and NBC Sports and then MLL, like whatever they end up doing, like you know you're you're broadcasting these games in the summer. You get yourself some some good uh you know some some good people up in the booth there to kind of just you know 
talk about the game, but also let the game talk about itself. And then once you get people who accidentally land on the channel, boom, they're hooked. Right. And it's, and it's visibility, like to your point, you know, I mean, I think the MLL lost visibility, you know, these last few years. And so you've got to be in the, in the mainstream consciousness. You know, I, I've never been a huge pro lacrosse guy. Cause again, like I got into the sport when I was 18 years old, when I was in college. And so for me, it was, man, the, the most prominent version of the game is still the college game. That's still the most prominent, the most visible version um, of the game. And, and I, and I feel, you know, the pro lacrosse never really tried to market to, to the college lacrosse audience, to the college lacrosse fan. And so, you know, maybe that's changing now a little bit. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes I feel the sport, you know, needs just more sports people, more media people, more people who can view it from the outside, non-lacrosse people, um, or people who have the perspective of just being a few degrees separated from the sport that allows you to see the bigger picture. Because like anything, sometimes, you know, you're too inside, you're so micro um, it's hard to kind of zoom out and see the big picture. So I think the sport would benefit uh, by a lot of that. Absolutely. Um, so real quick, just just to shift gears a little bit. So that, that's that's a media term, by the way. I don't know if you've ever heard someone in, in the media kind of use that language, but, sh you know, shift gears, um, you know, not a big deal or anything. I've been podcasting for a while. Uh, but so going from lacrosse more to you, now, I, I mentioned the voice a bunch in, in the beginning of this episode. I want to know when when was it that Anish Roth listened to himself and, and thought, you know what, this is a voice that needs to, to be on television commentating on, on any sort of sports game. So like what, when was the moment that you were like, because like I'll, I'll do this podcast and I hate, like I have to edit it myself and it is the goddamn worst because every time I listen to myself, playing back through the audio, I'm like, I want to punch myself in the face. But for you, I, I don't know if you had the same thing or not, but like, when did you know that that voice was, was meant to be calling games? You're going to laugh because I think there's a lot of guys in the business who feel like this. I cringe sometimes when I listen back to myself. Uh, this I mean, day. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, I know for a fact that my voice isn't, but like, as long as you're also, but okay. You, you know, because you're always – Ah oh, man, I could have I could have been better here. I could have been more mature with this call here, and I was too high here, too low here, and you know you're always kind of tweaking and working on that delivery, and that's been a I don't think that process ever ends. So I can't tell you how many times you know you walk out and I'll watch a game, man. Like oh god, man, like I sound terrible today. So um, I do you know I appreciate the compliments, but it's a um, you know, I would say my freshman year of college when I was working at our student radio station, I remember, uh, you know, we'd get our, our sportscast critique and one of the older guys, you know, kind of said, hey, man, like you, you got the sound to do this. And so, you know, that does give you confidence, right, that, hey, maybe I can't pursue this. But then like anything, you know, it's working on it, refining it and, you know, kind of finding how high you can go and how low you can go without sounding uninterested. And, um, you know, really, I think, that, you know, the, the hardest part is finding that middle range, right? You know, when to kind of, you're on, you think a scale of one to 10 volume wise, right? So you never want to be at a 10. So what's the highest you want to be when you're excited for a call, right? Game winner, championship winning, right? So can you go to a seven and a half? Can you go to an eight? All right, well then what's a, a game winner in a regular season game? Do you go to that 
same point. Then what if you hit that level for, you know, a goal that makes it five to three? Now when you have something big, where do you go? So, you know, you're always sort of, you know, battling with those things. Um, uh, and, and you're always trying to kind of tweaking your sound and tweaking your delivery and tweaking your presentation. So it's like a, you know, it's like a painting you're never satisfied with. <laughs> you know? ah, let's rip it over, start over, and you know, let's draw something else. Ah, you know, let's add a tree here. So it's the, it's the same way I think when it comes to presentation. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, that's it's a game within it. You know, you gotta gotta keep gotta keep uh, you know crafting yourself. And and I think you know, I think. I think it's something that all young aspiring broadcasters can can learn from. It's like, hey, like, listen, buddy, if if a niche is still crafting, you gotta you you gotta you know if if a lacrosse player needs to get his ass on the wall and and get a few reps in, it's like you gotta just sit there in front of a mic and and just keep speaking for a while. Um, now another thing here, so you you do you what are you calling right now? So you have I know you do football, do you, you do basketball? Yep. Uh, what, what, and then I'll do lacrosse, and then I'll usually do a little bit of baseball after lacrosse. You know, in the past I've done uh, a college baseball regional, super regional, and then some uh, little league World Series stuff before football starts up. So is is there like one particular sport that's like that's like no like is is there one sport that's like just like so much harder to call than the others like regardless of like how how like knowledgeable anyone like is on a game like is there like one sport that it's like it, it takes it takes some some skill to call that game you know i think every sport's got its own cadence so um i think football just from a preparation standpoint is just that that's a monster because you've got more players more numbers more names to know um, now with the new redshirt rule, you got guys who normally before in the past you didn't have to worry about because they were redshirting and they weren't going to play. But now they can play four games a year and still redshirt. So um, that changes things. So, yeah, football is a beast to call. 22 guys on the field, you know, at once. And it's as soon as the ball is snapped, all right, who's lined up where? They throw to this guy. You got to know who catches it, make, makes the tackle, who's in coverage. And, um, but I think football for me is also probably – it's the most fun to call because if you, if you do the work and you do the prep, um, you know, the, the ebb and flow of it every time you get to third down, I mean, whatever happens on third down is going to impact what happens next. So, um, it's, you know, fo footballs and, you know, you're, you're, you're calling games in stadiums with you know, 60, 70, 80, sometimes a hundred thousand people. I mean, that's an adrenaline rush in itself. So, um, I don't I don't know why it is, but for some reason I love when football broadcast when football announcers like you know when when they're lining up for a play, like when you tell me if if a player's lined up and like on like the top of the screen or the bottom of the right. screen, I don't know what it is about like 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 saying like where they're at positioned on the screen, but like when a when a broadcaster says like where they're at on the screen, I'm like that that guy knows what he's doing right now. You know what that is, though? It's giving the viewer a place to go, right? We're, we're telling you what to look for. And, you know, the, the guys who are really good and the analysts help here big time as well. It's the why. Why are you looking at the top of the screen? Mismatch at the top of the screen, 6'4 receiver on a 5'7 corner inside the 10-yard line. Watch out for the fate. Oh, okay. And then if they go that route, you're kind of, hey, all right, well, you're now giving me something to look for. You know, if it's an unbalanced line, They've got numbers on the strong side. 
all right, you're not telling me. I know which way they're going to run if they choose to run that way. So, um, you know, if they're cheating up a corner, showing blitz on the outside, they're showing a, you know, a DB blitz, um, you're now watching there and you're watching and waiting to see if the quarterback's going to pick it up before you do. So I think it always helps when you can tell the viewer, hey, look for this. Look for this. This is where to go because – I think that's a you're kind of bringing them next to you and saying, "All right, you're now watching the way I'm watching." Yeah, again, I, that may, that's just a tip to to all the all the football guys. Like, just keep telling me where to look at on this, like top of the screen, bottom of the screen. Like, if if you say like lined up to the left or right, like you know, like whatever, like I, I can figure that out. But top of the screen, bottom of the screen, I'm like, whoa, all right, like here we go. Like now, now we're now we're watching football. Um, do you think that there's that there's a uh, any potential Tony Romo's just just hiding out in the lacrosse world right now? Just someone, uh, you know, maybe, maybe who's playing right now, who, who's you know could uh, come through the ranks of, of the broadcast and just set set lacrosse broadcasts on fire. I you know I always hope so. You know we we bring in I think um, a lot of different voices and and you know we certainly have you know I think two great ones in Quint and Kark. Uh, but anytime you know you, you get a, a different voice and I think that's what Tony was when he came to football, it was the way he called it. Um, there was an, you know, besides the forecasting to me, there's just an enthusiasm and authenticity that I think people gravitate to. He's likable. Um, and so I think that has a lot to do with it. So I think if you can get that package, yeah, I'm, I don't know who that person is. Um, and like I said, I, I've got two guys that I love working with and I hope I'm working with for a long time, but you know, I, we're, I'm sure anytime you can get, you know, a, a different voice um, in the game to just showcase some, some freshness and, and diversity of thought. That's, that's, that's always great. Yeah. Well, uh, so speaking of the two guys who, who you do all your work with Quentin, Quentin Clark. Um, so a cu- couple questions here from, uh, from Twitter. Uh, this one comes from uh, a, a fellow who, who you guys have recently started working with this year. Uh, I, I still have trouble figuring out his last name. I, Chris Dostremski, pretty sure I got that one right. Yeah, he, he's got a, he's got a burner Twitter account because you know he was banned, right? He's he's a, a bad boy of lacrosse Twitter. Yeah, um, but yeah, Twitter's rules are uh, they're it, pretty pretty quick to throw out the death penalty there um, with with Twitter accounts these days. But yeah, so uh, you know, I, I, maybe I won't blast out his his new handle because I don't want anyone from Twitter finding out that he's lurking around with a burner right now. Um, but he wants to know what's a better fashion trend, capri pants or unusual pocket squares. So, um, Kark, big, so, big, yeah, big, the, the backstory there is Quentin Kark did a shoot couple of years ago and Clark was wearing these capri pants to Chapel Hill and I think it was Joe Bresci called him out on it and Clark's you know, rejoinder was oh they're not capri pants they're they're performance sweatpants okay buddy um, they were they were capri pants and so that's that's Paul's thing but as offensive and grotesque as those are like we've all seen Quint <laughs> right um, and so Quint for pocket squares, you know, anytime you go to a game, they have these flip cards, and they're usually in the color of you know, whatever team is the home team. So if you're at a Syracuse game, they'll have these orange flip cards, and it's on index card paper. Or if you're at a Carolina game, it's blue or it's green at Loyola, whatever. So, so Quint will rip out like a piece of it and then stick it in his pocket square. Um, he's used green tape and pink tape there. 
like I've had to pull it out on air because I'm like, dude, like, what are you, what are you doing? But, um, yeah, that's just, yeah, it's it's funny. That's that's he he's a goalie, so that that tells you all you need to know. But you know, it's funny. I'll say this about Q. So nobody works harder, nobody prepares harder. Um, the guy's a machine when it comes to preparation and knowledge. I've learned so much from him. But I remember I had I did have a perception of him before I got to know him and I started to work with him. And I always thought, man, like this guy's so intense and he's so serious and he's like, you know, like he's always kind of and um, like I wonder if he can laugh at himself. Wonder if he can, you know, wonder if he can lighten up a little bit. So we started to like work together in the studio during the first round and the selection show for the NCAA tournament. One year we're doing the first round. And he was wearing, I mean, it was the worst tie that you've ever seen. And I was thinking, man, what is that? And I got like a bunch of people. It wasn't like two or three, like dozens of people. Like, dude, what is Quint wearing? What is that tie? So I just asked him during the break, like, dude, what's the deal with that tie? And we're in a commercial. He's like, oh, I got this from the, 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 the boys Latin lost and found. I'm like, come on. No, you don't. Know, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, but lost and found. At the end of the year, he's like, all those kids, they leave stuff behind. He's like, I grabbed a couple of them. I'm like, dude, really? It's a boys Latin lost and found tie. So we come out of the commercial break, and I said something to the effect of, now for everybody out there wondering, Quint got that tie from the boys Latin lost and found. And he just kind of gives me a look like, wait, you you, you put that out there? <laughs> but he was, you know, and I thought he was like, oh, man, I hope he's not mad. I hope I didn't, I didn't take him off. But he, he was able to, like, go with it and then um, – you know, like he started to like laugh at himself and it was just kind of, all right, like I so, started to see this other side of him. And, you know, I don't know if you listen to the Howard Stern show, right? One of the cool things I like about the Stern show is what makes that dynamic unique is so oftentimes in this business, you, you always say, oh man, the best stuff happens off the air, right? You know, oh, I, I wish, I wish we could, I wish we had a camera there. I wish we could bring that stuff on the air. Like Stern airs all the dirty laundry that happens behind the scenes. And he makes those guys relatable and he's telling those stories and, you know, embarrassing stories or whatever. And I was just like, we should start doing that because I think, you know, like we're all weird. Like Quint's weird. You know, I, I tweeted today, like I thought eating ketchup with grilled cheese was normal. Apparently people think I'm a psychopath. I can't swim. They had a field day with that, you know, like. Kark's like, oh, I'm a good driver. You guys don't know what you're talking about. But like, we're in Delaware two years ago. Takes us three blocks up a one-way street the wrong way. You know, he's like, oh, I got this. Guys, I'm like, dude, this is a one-way street. What are you doing? Oh, no, no, nobody's coming. We're good. We're good, you know? And then, you know, oh, I'm a good driver. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's like, we're, we're all weird. Like, that's um, – and I feel that just to act like we're normal on the air would be a disservice to who we are. So, you know, one of the things that – you know, we've kind of done with the three of us. Hey, let's just embrace that. And so, like, I would say, like, ninety percent of the stuff that happens behind the scenes, it, it'll pop up in a broadcast. And um, I, I think that's kind of what, for me, makes it fun working with those two guys. Is that like, you know, it's not. It's never about like, hey, no one's feelings are hurt. Like, everyone can kind of take a joke. Um, well, I, I think I think it's working though because. So I have I have no idea why this was the case, but I was I was blocked on Twitter by Quint for for 
quite some time. Um, I wouldn't take it personally. Apparently, he blocked Cornell lacrosse, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it personally. Well, yeah, because because I I like gone back and like I I did like the advanced search on Twitter, and I'm like trying to like figure out like what I said about Quint that would have landed me a block. And so I, I, I'm looking through it. I'm like I don't like I don't know if, if anything here is blockable. Um, See, but, now that's gonna come but, up. but but that's after gonna come up. after. So I, I realized that I was, because like someone like sent me a tweet from Quinn. I was like, oh shit, like I can't see that. Like Quinn blocked me. But af after about, you know, maybe like a week and a half of campaigning, I got the unblock. Okay. And, uh, and and let me let me pull it up uh, right now. Let, let's just make sure that uh, I didn't catch a block in the meantime. Quint Kesnick, we are still to this day unblocked so okay. uh so yeah like what what you guys are doing is working though because like you said he you have a perception of him um but then he kind of then, then he then you get past you get to know him and here here i am still unblocked that's about you know a solid year and a half now of being unblocked so um yeah keep, keep up the, the good work maybe uh maybe some more people can can get unblocked by quint no, he and he's like I said. And he he knows he knows he knows. You know, he, he's got his quirks. I'll give you a funny story from the weekend. So, he was doing a hockey game, the UMass Notre Dame hockey game. Uh, winner going to the Frozen Four. So this would have been uh, this past weekend. So, um, you know, we had the Duke North Carolina game, and so I just texted him that morning. I'm like, hey, your game is coming on our network. A little after us, um, can you send me a couple of nuggets? So if we got to promote your game, you know. I got some good stuff to tease it with. So, you know, Quint being Quint sends me like 15 different things, you know, because again, the guy, the guy prepares his ass off. He's as well-researched, as well-read and, and, and as meticulous as anybody. I mean, the, the guy, like, you know, he, he has strong opinions on things, but I respect him because, you know, it doesn't come from a place where he doesn't have knowledge from, you know, he backs it up and, and he does his homework and he talks to a lot of people and he's plugged in. So, you know, he sent me like 15 things on these hockey guys. Hey, you know, you'll like this Notre Dame's team slogan, bend the knee. And, you know, this guy was the top five pick in the draft. And you know, this guy, I'm like, oh, this is great stuff. And somewhere, like kind of one of the little nuggets he kind of throws in and he goes, Barry's suits make me look normal. Like Barry Burroughs. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> yeah. Cute. Barry can pull him off. <laughs> can he, though? He's – I think Barry can pull him off. I think Barry's got swag. Barry's got <laughs> Barry can pull it off. I don't know about Q. Barry can pull it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, Barry. Barry's got something. Um, what would you ever let uh, Paul cut your hair? He's not bad, you know, and, and it kind of pains me to say this. He's not bad. Like I saw him cut it. So, so, so a better a better barber than a driver. Oh yeah, way better barber. Than a driver, I think they ended the whole relaxing with car driving series because I, you know, like whoever we rent cars from, national, you know, you're getting wind of this and you're thinking, man, like is this guy we want, you know, driving our vehicles? But he's actually not a bad barber. I saw him cut Andy Shay's hair. The thing is, and my wife will tell you this, like I'm a, I'm kind of a diva when it comes to hair. Like I have, I'm very picky, and like when I find a hairstylist, I stay with that one hairstylist and. I spend like, um, as she would tell you, an obscene amount of money on my hair. So um, I, I don't know, like, if I could just trust Kark with his, you know, like, you know, I go to, like, I, I like the hot towel and I like the whole, the whole nine, you know, I just don't like a, hey, here's the clippers and, you know, put some of that barber spray on. 
Well, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll find you a nice little spot here in Philly for uh, for, for a fresh cut when you're here for Memorial Day weekend. Um, just last last couple questions here, because I know you're a busy guy, and I know you probably have to do a little researching yourself if you're going to keep up with uh, with Quint in terms of uh, some preparation. So um, this one here, it's from uh, Jocelyn. I, she uh, she works with the uh, with the Penn State uh, lacrosse team, but she wants to know. Uh, your current all all name team as a broadcaster. I guess we can kind of change this around a little bit. Like, is is there any player out there right now that like you you love calling their games because you know like like you get to say that name and you can put a nice little real real nice inflection there to drive it home. You know the one guy and he's not really playing, but man, I can't wait till he does because I think he's got a great name. Plays for Duke, Reigns Schamberger. Yeah, that's a uh, that's like lacrosse. I mean, that is as lacrosse lacrossiest name, right? I mean, there was a kid on Princeton a few years ago. Remember Bear Ultimus? They're they're just the inside lacrosse starting the all name team. Was, they didn't do it, it this year. They didn't do it this year. The, I thought that it usually comes out a little closer to the tournament. No, I guess it, I thought it usually came. About before the year, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. But that it's just such a great idea that, like, like that again, like that's something that like will like piss off across Twitter because they're like, oh, like look at how like it makes the sport look so fucking dumb. And it's like, it's like no man, like people right laugh at yourself. Um, I I think the the best lacrosse name right now would be Notre Dame's Wheaton Jackaboys. Wheaton Jackaboys, that's up there. <laughs> like that. It's it's a shame that there's no more Stanwicks because the Stanwicks were always good for first team all name team. Yeah, well, you, I, you just gotta make sure that uh, you you know you got that job security for about another, uh, you know how, how much long you know probably probably like another twenty years or so we'll see like another crop of like right. twelve Stanwicks between women's and men's lacrosse pop up. So um, you know they're they're in a little bit of a hiatus right now in terms of the college game, but uh, I I can't whoever is going to be working those games, you know, 20, 25 years down the road, like once they're all in college again, good, good luck. Keep them with keeping up with all that, with all the cousins and everything. You think um, about, we, had, we had, we just had eight, right? So now the next generation, you might have like 20, maybe more. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if they all have, if, if they all have eight, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get a nice 64 Stanwicks. We get uh we, we basically, we could feel the whole, we, we could do a whole, a whole women's team and a whole men's team. Just all Stanwick cousins. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah. And my, the last thing I wanted to say here while I have you is because I did see that you, uh, stirred up a little bit of a storm on, on Twitter with your take about, uh, ketchup on grilled cheese. Yeah. I want to say, I'm with you on that. I'm more of like a like like sriracha on um on grilled cheese. Like like I, I like to throw like a nice little like little little kick of heat on there. Um, but in, but like I mean ketchup sriracha, it's like the same thing without the heat. So I'm right there with you. It's basically like people dunk grilled cheese into tomato soup all the time, and it's like if you have like a creamy tomato bisque, like it, it, it's ketchup. So yeah, the backstory: this conversation, we're in the kitchen and. Gave my daughter some mac and cheese for dinner tonight. So I was telling my wife, you know, my kid brother when he was little would put ketchup on everything, including oh, oh, was it mac and cheese? Oh, well, it, no, 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 grilled cheese. No, no. So okay. the way the conversation started. So I'm giving my daughter some mac and cheese part of her dinner, and um, 
I was telling my wife that my my younger brother, when he was little, used to put ketchup on mac and cheese. He put ketchup on everything. And she goes, yeah, that's weird. Like, you guys put ketchup on everything, like ketchup on grilled cheese. And I go, yeah, you never put ketchup on grilled cheese. And she's from Seattle. So she goes, no, that's gross. Why would why would I put ketchup on my, on my grilled cheese? Like, it's delicious. It's, it's phenomenal. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's probably like, I think it's a Northeast thing. I think it's a it's an East Coast thing. So she was like, nobody puts ketchup on the grilled cheese. So I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. So I just tweeted it out. I go, ketchup, grilled cheese, yes or no? And apparently, like, overwhelmingly, like, what are you thinking? No, like, that's a bad idea. And I was like, man, like, I guess, a, I guess I'm a psychopath. But it's it's good. Like, if you haven't tried it, ketchup is is a good condiment with grilled cheese. The the internet has been ketchup shaming for a while now. So I'm just like so ready for the pendulum to start swinging the other way. There's very few things that the entire internet loves to shame more than than the usage of ketchup. Um, And I know that all those people out, not all of them, a lot of people out there are lying to themselves about hating ketchup. It's like, you know, you don't actually hate ketchup. You hate ketchup. Same thing with like Nickelback. It's like, you think you're supposed to hate Nickelback. Cause like so many people are talking about hating Nickelback. It's like, no, like you can listen to him and, and they, they got some bangers. Ketchup is a banger. You don't hate ketchup. Let ketchup into your life. It's ketchup, Nickelback and Joe Buck. People think like they don't know why they, they think that's what they're supposed to do. Like uh, Joe Buck, I think is awesome. All right, Nickelback, like I'm lukewarm on, like I don't, you know, but like. I'm not going to a Nickelback concert, but right. I'm not, if Nickelback's on the radio, I'm not punching my ears. I don't have Nickelback songs on like my Amazon music or, or you know, like on my iTunes. Yeah, like I probably do. I probably got a couple. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not proud of it, but it's there, you know, like it pops up every now and then. And, you know, I don't skip through it every time. Um, and catch up, like save catch up, hashtag save catch up. There we go. We're 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 starting the movement where we are fighting against the uh, the very unfair f- war against ketchup that has been raging on the internet for a while. And in in the same process, we are also fighting the war to make sure that lacrosse remains the sport of the future. Um, and you're doing a great job of of keeping it in the right direction. So thank you for that, and thank you for coming on this week. I uh, really appreciate having you here. Appreciate it, Jordy. This was fun. Thanks, bud. All right, and thanks again to Anish for hopping on the pod. Uh, like we mentioned, you can hear him calling that uh, Rutgers Johns Hopkins University game on Saturday, 2 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, but before things get going there at uh, at Homewood Stadium, our Saturday gets started off this weekend. On the CBS Sports Network, 11 a.m., get up early, go make sure you, you get yourself a coffee, Bloody Mary, maybe a, maybe a bagel or, or two, because uh, got an early time slot here with the Lehigh Mountain Hawks making the trip over to play against Pat Spencer and the Loyola Greyhounds. Lehigh right now on a goddamn tear. They have won six games in a row. Uh, you know, a nice, nice win against a, a real uh, pesky Boston team last week. Uh, they've, they've beaten up on, on the, uh, on the service academies a little bit, which is like kind of fucked up, but they beat, you know, Navy and army. They got a win over Rutgers win over Lafayette. So Lehigh right now is buzzing and, uh, they'll, they'll be going up against Loyola, but we, we should, 
you know, we got to make the, uh, the, the differentiate here between weekend Loyola and weekday. So it's a Saturday. So, um, you know, they're definitely going to be getting Loyola at their best. So big Pat lacks matchup here. Do you, do you think, uh, would you put Loyola on upset alert? Hmm. It is weekend Loyola. So, hmm. I don't know if I'm putting Loyola on on upset alert. I think that I, I don't think that. Although I will say this: Are we playing? Is is Lehigh playing? Are we? Are they going to Lehigh? No, this I believe that uh, Loyola is home. Well, Lehigh is one of those schools where their home jerseys, they're all whites, are fire, but their aways are just fucking ugly. They're just trash. So yeah, too, I think that too much brown going on. I, in there. I'm saying, I'm saying. So like the, you know, for me, this comes down to, you know, Lehigh. It's got to be look good, play good. When you're wearing that brown, I don't know if you can, you know, throw it down. So I'm, I'm taking Loyola. I think Loyola stays strong. Pat, my man. 66 points he's on pace to be he'll hit 90 by by at, at this pace at this pace that's just ridiculous i think they're all playing good ball i think that if lax vegas lines was out probably be three or four yeah so what do you think? I, so last year uh you know lehigh made, made a little bit of noise in the pat lax tournament they uh you know they advanced they beat Navy uh, in the semifinal there, and then they they had to play against Loyola in the championship game. They got a little outclassed in that Patriot League uh, championship last year, so you know that's that's two losses to this Loyola team last year, and both like neither of them were particularly close. Um, you know, if again if Lax Vegas lines was out right now, uh, you know I, I think that yeah, like three would would be probably where they're at, but I would have Lehigh covering that. Um, you know, obviously. They're they're led by a couple a uh, couple of boys from from the hometown, the Spence brothers. Lucas Spence currently with uh, you know nineteen tucks, fifteen assists, uh, and then in cage James Spence just doing what James Spence does. He's got a uh, what's he got there of five seven eight save percentage. You know, not bad. Yeah, I mean he he could he could you know bump those numbers up a little bit, but maybe he's just saving all of his best saves for this coming weekend. Um, you know, with, with Loyola, I mean they're they're coming off of a, I mean they just kicked the shit out of Colgate, um, and I, I don't know if you got a chance to see uh, that that Pat Spencer just like the most casual little just like cutting through the crease catch, just a little fake. BTB finish like it was just like so smooth like it's it's what you see in like practice when you're going up against air uh and and here he was just in uh just a conference game just treating it like it's practice um so again Lo Loyola on the weekend they're just a, a different animal um and, and like I feel like I mean they're just like out for blood on 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 the weekends like they know that the cameras are there they know that they're going to end up having some slow-mo edits they know that it's going to look great for social media and they're looking for all of the highlights on on saturday afternoons yeah weekend loyola and weekend pat spencer especially you know that, that he's a dangerous man you know you can't that can't be denied you know he's running running through stuff like it's you know, like it's pre-game shooting drills and you know he's cool under pressure so and like and like we can talk about him every single week on, on this yeah. podcast and like hype him up every single week and every single weekend he lives up to it. So it's like 
like until he like stops doing that, which he probably won't, um, you know, we'll obviously keep, keep hyping up Pat Spencer. Um, I do think that this will be a tight game though. I could see it coming down to the wire. Maybe I'm, I'm going to go with a two goal win for Loyola where it's like back and forth, a couple lead changes. Um, then the fourth quarter comes around and, and maybe, you know, we, we see, we see Chase Scanlon, Put, you know, go on a nice little run there at the end, you know, just when Lehigh thinks that they have Pat Spencer figured out in comes, you know, the freshman Chase Scanlon, he'll, he'll help put Loyola away a little, or well, put Lehigh away for Loyola. Um, so I, I see a two goal win for Loyola, but it, it could be back and forth all morning. I have to agree. I think the margin will be a little bit higher, but you know, I think that we're both on the same side with Loyola. So from 11 a.m. at Loyola, we uh, where where is Loyola? So that's right in Baltimore. So if we go to Durham, it's only a couple hours, maybe like an hour and a half away. We are going to Durham, where the Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on Duke. That is 12 p.m. Duke coming off of a. I would I would say that this is a pretty disappointing loss to North Carolina and like this is two ACC losses in a row for Duke so they lost uh to Syracuse uh over at like Syracuse High School the week before and they followed that up with a 10-8 loss to UNC last weekend um so Duke like I don't know the last time that we've seen Duke lose lose two in a row like this this late into the season like we'll see that in February but I mean, it's, you know, the last two weekends in March going down like that, a uh, little little worried for Duke. You know, that's usually the time where you see Duke on an upward slope. You know, everybody, nobody's really worried about Duke in the beginning of the season. You know, they could, you know, half their, their players could be, you know, injured. And then that suddenly at the end of the season, they're in the playoff race and they're, you know, doing all sorts of crazy shit and ending up on sports in their top 10. But yeah, you got two two big losses in a row in conference play, and that's not you know that's not that's not Duke. Um, now, what are they about to do to Notre Dame? Um, I, I I'm still not sold on Notre Dame. I I, I think um, you know Costabile and those guys are playing good ball, but like you know you got Duke at home. That's not an easy game. Uh, so I, I think Duke comes out on this one. Um, Notre Dame's defense is really solid, but Duke's offense, multidimensional. They can score from anywhere. Um, you know, they, they have the advantage of having a strong midfield and a strong attack. So I'm, I'm saying, you know, Duke. Duke in, a, in another close one, two goals maybe. Yeah, well, like, because that's the thing about Notre Dame is, like, pretty much every game with them is going to be close. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they've had – yeah, so uh, besides the first game against Detroit, which like no offense to Detroit, but like you don't exactly count right now. Um, you know, all of these games have been, you know, either a one or two or three goal game. So, um, you know, Notre Dame is is pretty tested in that sense where um, you know, basically like every game that they've played so far, it's it's been a battle. Um, you know, and I think that in terms of going on the road to play against a team like Duke, like you want to be battle tested in those tight games. Like, um, you know, so I think that that'll, that'll be pretty, pretty good for them in this one. So I agree with you right there where it's going to be close, but yeah, I think, 
I, I think just coming off of back-to-back losses for Duke, um, you know, this is probably it's it's probably been a pretty intense week of practice. If I had to, if I had to guess, usually around this time, um, at least the past like couple years, I think Eli Manning has has made a trip over to Duke. I don't know like what his uh, relationship to Duke is, but like I, I I remember I always see like pictures of Eli at Duke just like popping up. Um, I mean, like, fuck Eli, you know, I'm, I'm you know, as, yeah, as an Eagles fan and everything, but like, I don't know, he's a goofy bastard, but he was able to get it done twice. So like, maybe he, he can go in there and just like give whatever kind of pump up speech Eli Manning can do. I, I, we'll, we'll have to talk to uh, Justin Gutterding, see if we can get the inside scoop there on whether or not Eli's making another trip to Duke this year. I mean, Eli's got to be going there and just telling them how to win by just, you know, be he's he's going in there he's telling him how how you know telling him his story about how he's you know literally won two super bowls before his brother and nobody fucking knows how they really won those those super bowls anyway so it's like you know win at all costs i think is what he's telling him probably you know in fewer words and less eloquent because you know he always looks you know kind of slack-jawed and stupid all the time uh so i mean you know, uh, he's probably telling them some good stuff. Uh, I don't think he's reading any books or doing any equation on, equations on the board. I can tell you that much, uh, you know, but he, he go could Red have Bulls, like, right. Yeah. yeah he, he could have like a, like a rain man situation going on. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the fact that, that Duke is coming off of two and, and keep in mind here, they were two losses on the road. Um, so, you know, now, you know, they're, they're back at home. They're finishing out their regular season at home actually. So, um, you know, I, I, th- I think that again, it's probably been a pretty intense week. Um, you know, I, I think Donowski knows like, like this right here is the time where they're going to have to start. Um, you know, you, you don't want to head into the tournaments on, on a bad note. Um, so they're probably going to want to get these wrap up these last, last few games of the regular season with a win. So it'll probably be a statement win against Notre Dame, but it'll be, you know, with like a, a tight uh, statement win. So from Duke, we head up to Jersey. We are up on the turnpike. No, no, we are not. That was we're 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 going right back to Baltimore because Rutgers is on the road. So going right back to Baltimore, 2 p.m. ESPNU Rutgers taking on the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. Rutgers handing Ohio State their first loss of the season last week. And they didn't just hand them that loss, they beat the shit out of Ohio state 14 to six, the Ohio state university, the undefeated Ohio state Buckeyes feeling good about themselves, feeling ready to ready to prove to the world that they're, they're for real this year. And Rucker says, yeah, fuck you guys. We're going to pound your asses real quick. 14 to six. Meanwhile, Hopkins coming off of a 14 to eight win over Michigan. I don't. I don't really know what's going on in Michigan. It's. I. I, I need that program to be better. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg. Well, yeah, that. Yeah. We'll 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 save Michigan for another episode. But yeah, so Rutgers at Hopkins, and uh, you know another Big Ten matchup here. Uh, you know should should be a good one. And honestly, 
My biggest takeaway in this game right now is that I th- I think that Dave Petromala eventually ev- like everybody gets fired at some point. Everybody gets fired. Eventually the time is going to come when Hopkins decides to move on from Dave Petromala. My takeaway here is that he needs to end up at Rutgers or at least another Jersey school because like he he's got Sopranos written all over him. He's, you know, like just just that greasy mobster looking guy. So, um, you know, I think that this, I, I just want to see really like what he looks like with Rutgers on the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, totally. I think he's, uh, he's definitely, if you, if you were to put all of the coaches like in, you know, in their like, you know, how the, uh, you know, the NFL coaches take like their, their big pick every year. If you were to put all the college, you know, D one coaches together and you'd be like, which one of these looks like a character out of the fucking Sopranos everybody would point at Petromal and be like that fucking guy. Like he is, he's absolutely a character out of the Sopranos, but yes, he could, you know, replace Brecht at some point. That would be, you know, very fitting, you know, to be in, in some, you know, greasy, jer- greasy Jersey school. Um, yeah. But like Rutgers is hot, you know, Rutgers is red hot right now, you know, and uh, so, so is Hopkins. I think that they're both, um, that they're both hot and, you know, shout out to the Rutgers boys, stringing it together uh and you know the hopkins guy you know hopkins guys too i think this is probably probably you know if if this is one of those like low-key high-key games you need to watch like it's a you know you you don't you don't initially think ah it's just it's hopkins Rutgers, whatever no no I, I think this one's one that you get you get the boys together to watch like this is a this is a marquee game yeah and i think the the thing that you know i i, I love about this matchup is so like Rutgers is i I would put they're like they're they're a pesky team like they're they're always a team that's going to give you some sort of an issue so like even if you even if you beat them like it's not going to be like your prettiest win of all time um they're you know they're going to keep it pretty close they're going to make like like your game against them is going to look ugly for some reason um you know Rutgers is just like really good at at having those types of games um so they're like pesky kind of like gritty in that sense um but then with with Hopkins, they're a team that like I feel like if I'm ever seeing scraps in a college cross game, like if I ever see a bunch of pushing and shoving, you know, guys getting into you know not not a brawl, but like kind of almost like a baseball fight, almost where like everyone just like convenes in the middle, like no like legit punches are thrown that connect to face or anything, but it's you know tensions are still up. Like Hopkins is that team, so like they're gritty in the sense where. Um, you know, they'll, they'll get pissed off eventually and they'll just start, um, you know, either hacking away or something like that. So I think like as, as far as blue collar goes, like this is going to be a nice blue collar matchup. Um, you know, obviously like Hopkins isn't a blue collar school or anything like that, but like on the field, they both play a pretty blue collar style of lacrosse while also having some studs who can just do ridiculous shit all over the place. Yeah, they're they're definitely, as they would say on you know uh, uh, other barstool podcasts, they're they're lunch pail guys. You know, they're bring, they're bringing their bringing their lunch pail to work. They're they're gritty. You know, grit would be the you know this is a this is a gritty team. Oh know, yeah, they're, got, they're they're getting into work before the sun's up, and they don't leave right. until the sun's down. That's um, right. The the uh, another thing here. Uh, so Joey Epstein, just uh, you know, freshman the number one incoming recruit. So like, I, I don't think anyone was necessarily like, you know, 
thinking that it was going to take him a while to really adjust to the D1 game, but he is leading that Hopkins offense. He's got 22 tucks on the year, 11 assists. So again, he he's leading that Hopkins offense. I would like to see a little bit more out of the surrounding cast. Um, you know, I, I, I was expecting a little bit more out of a, a kid like Cole Williams um, this year. You know, I, I understand he's, you know, he's not always doing, you know, setting, setting the offense up for himself. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that this is going to be one of those games. It's, it's going to be a big game. That's again, it, it's going to be kind of, um, it, it's, it's going to be ugly in like the best sense of the word. And I, I think in a game like that, like you do need some, like some, some older leadership guys to kind of like step up and, and make sure that, the ship stays on the right path. Um, so it, it'll be, it'll be a big game for some of the, uh, the older guys down there on, on Hopkins offense. I like them coming out on top in this one. Um, again, it, it, it always just takes me. So like Rutgers again, they're, they're one of those teams where they're kind of like where Penn state was, where they're, they're a, a fine program and everything like that, but they just haven't been able to really get over the hump and beat like a, like a traditional powerhouse team. Um, so, you know, Rutgers, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll get all these wins and shit like that. But like when, when you have to play against a Maryland or you have to play against a Hopkins or like, you know, if you ever come across like a Duke or something like that, um, or like, you know, Syracuse a few weeks ago, like they just, they haven't been able to get over the hump and beat those like traditional teams. So I still have to roll with Hopkins in this one. Yeah. I'll have to roll with Hopkins as well. Although I would not be surprised um, if Rutgers did come out on top, you know, it does take that, like, you know, it, it, Epstein's a rookie. He's really, he's really come into his own. Like I, I totally get that. Uh, everybody has a bad day, man. Maybe he comes out and his shots aren't dropping, you know, Petra, Petra pulls him. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I get that, you know, or maybe he comes out hot, but you're right. It does take some guys who have been there before, like Cole Williams, you know, big man, Cole Williams to uh to set the stage and i'm sure he'll i'm sure he'll have a you know a, a talk with him uh you know before the game like you know this is this is an, this is a big one um, you know what you know what it's going to take for uh joey epstein to come out hot come out what? firing around what probably going to have to rip some pregame bang energies that's right you know the best way to start every game is you know a, a crisp bang energy drink with 350 milligrams of caffeine i think you know what i'm fairly certain that uh there are some ingredients in bang energy drink that are probably banned by the ncaa so you never know yeah so maybe you should maybe i wouldn't recommend it you know but yeah joey if, if you get hit with a uh a quote-unquote random drug testing after guzzling down multiple bang energies um sorry for narking you out right there yeah, but you know that's that's the way she goes apparently. Yeah, sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. Uh, and then finally, we will wrap up our weekend again. Sunday night lacks. This is uh, I'll tell you what the the Big Ten has this one figured out. Um, you know, like we're we're so used to like you know September to February, like having having something to watch, like Sunday night. The, the scaries are starting to kick in. You're still super hungover from the full weekend. Um, you know, you're just sitting there on your couch, regretting all the decisions you've made. And then all of a sudden, here comes here comes some some nice sports for you to watch and for you to forget about all your trouble. So we usually get it with the NFL. Um, so the fact that Big Ten Lacrosse has been making Sunday nights kind of their thing for these marquee games 
definitely big by them. And this week's matchup, the still number one Penn State Nittany Lions. This time they will be hosting Ohio State uh, coming off of that fresh loss against Rutgers last week. So, um, you know, it, it was it was their first loss. But again, like they, they didn't really rack up that many like quality wins. They had a one goal win against Notre Dame. I'll give them that. Uh, they beat up on Hofstra and like Hofstra's having not like a great year, but it's you know still a big win. But then you know Marquette, Bucknell, UMass, Boston. I guess the Boston one's pretty good. Um, what happened? What happened, to Marquette? It kind of fell off. Yeah. Again, it's like there there are just all these teams out there that. Um, they just they just play around with you a little bit. They like they show me, man. They they show signs that they're like ready to turn that corner, become like a, a like a perennial top twenty team, um, you know. And, and then they just kind of fall apart a little bit. Um, but yeah, so again, Ohio State. Like, I just I I don't think I'm ever going to buy into Ohio State like until they're in the final four again. And like, even, even then, like I still wasn't buying into them in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, but Penn state, Penn state sold me last week. I, I, it was, it was going to take a win over Maryland for me to, to fully hop on board with Penn state. Um, you know, they, they put together a great season up until that point. Um, but still in my head, I was like, like, listen, like you fuckers have never beaten Maryland before. Like, like unless you can beat Maryland, you're not a contender. Cause like Maryland's been in the final four these past five years. So like, you're going to have to beat Maryland to get to the championship. If you can't beat Maryland, then you're fucked. Um, but they did it last weekend, 13 to 10, um, you know, started off strong. Like we mentioned, they were able to weather the storm a little bit as Maryland was coming back. And then, uh, so, so now they're getting right back into it, hosting Ohio state on Sunday night. So, uh, what, what, what do you got for Sunday night lacks? Yeah, so I think the big takeaway here, uh, the big thing to go into this game is um, Penn State proved themselves beating Maryland. Ohio State got exposed by Rutgers. So I got Penn State coming out of this one. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I, I would be surprised if hmm, – I, I would be surprised if it was more than a more than a, a five goal win. I think it's going to be somewhere around four or five. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, you gotta you gotta wonder if Grant Ament is going to play or sit this one out. I know it's league play, but there you get you know are you are you confident in your boys out there? Um, in, in you know like they like they came through the Maryland game, or are you going to tough it out? Like you know, it depends on the nature of the injury. Obviously, it's been you know, kind of under wraps figuratively and literally. So um, I, I don't know. I, th I think four or five, I think Penn State could come out on top four or five. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that, um, you know, especially uh, Penn State, they're they're playing in their new facility. Um, so, I mean, they're going to be feeling pretty good. They, you know, they don't have to travel for this one. Um, meanwhile, Ohio State has to come over. I, I, I think – I, I still think Penn State would win, even if they had to go on the road for this game. It might be a little bit closer, but yeah. Um, again, e even if like I, I think Grant meant like it, it just takes seventy five percent. Just like have him out there, you know. Maybe don't have him, you know, because there was one moment in the game last week where he had his defender at X, and like we've seen him do this so many times before, where um, you know, not not necessarily like a, a full on finalizer, but he, he's still just 
takes his defender to Shake Shack from next, turns the corner and stuffs it. Last week, took the guy to Shake Shack, got him a nice little meal, um, paid for it. He's a gentleman. But then he, as he turned the corner, like you could tell he just like didn't have that, that little gear, that step to like fully turn that corner and tuck it away. So he like came around X, but like still had to like keep going up the alley a little bit. Um, so I think like the shiftiness is like, it's, it's almost so like, but you don't need him to do that against Ohio state. Like you need him directing traffic. You need him like getting people set up in the right spot and you need him taking the focus of the, the defense away from, you know, guys like we've mentioned before, you know, guys like, uh, Jack trainer, Jack Kelly, uh, a nice little Canadian there who has 19 goals on the season to assist. I mean, that's a, that's a Canadian finisher right there. 19 and two on the year. Like that's, that's what you need out of a good old boy out of Ontario. Uh, yeah. So as you've said, I think it, it's going to, it, so Amit is just, um, if his foot's feeling fine, he's going to come out and what he's basically going to do is, I guess you could say he's going to put on a different hat. You know, he's going to be direct. He's going to quarterback rather than, you know, you know, he's going to be a, a Drew Brees rather than a Cam Newton. You know, he's gonna he's not gonna go out there and try to do it all, but he is gonna do something. Um, I, I think that, that would be a you know a solid strategy. You know, who knows, man? Maybe he's, I, I hope his foot injuries are are fucking crazy. Um, not as crazy as knee injuries as you and I know. So uh thank God it's not a knee injury, right? <laughs> yeah, n- knock on wood, uh, you know, but hey man, listen, I'm I'm out there playing again right now. So seven seven months out from ACL surgery, I think that Grand Ament can get out there and and play on its foot. You know, yeah, I, I think that that's a fair assessment. Granted, I haven't I haven't dodged in about like five years, so uh, I, I play a little bit of a different style than Grant. My my style is mostly just like kind of kind of talk shit from the sidelines. So a eh, little little bit of a different game, but still a team player though. That's all that counts. Yeah, it's all about bringing up the morale. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're on the same page there. I think that Penn State handles this one pretty well. Um, you know, I, personally, I'm I'm hoping for a blowout just so uh, of course. I, I, like I can stop like because like I'm I'm worried about when if Ohio State like goes on a, on a run in the tournament and just like ending up looking like a fucking idiot. So I'd rather them start to fall apart now um, than than really go on a run here. So. Nittany Lions, big in that one. I believe that we, uh, so we were both on. You think Loyola has Lehigh a little bit more than I do. I think that'll be a tight game that, that it could come down to the wire. But yeah, still leaning towards weekend Loyola. Uh, both on Duke. I believe that we both ended up on Hopkins, correct? Yeah, we both did. And and both on the Nittany Lions. So uh, listen, we could either both be geniuses or we could both be dumb as fuck. Um, but that that's again just. Let's just, roll the dice. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. That, does that promote gambling? <laughs> we can't be gambling uh, on the on the. That's right. Yeah, they are very. Do not anti- do that. Yeah. Because do, do, do not do that. Because if anyone's making money off the NCAA that they don't get a piece of, they get very pissed. Fuck off, NCAA. Uh. Yeah. Right here too. Fuck off in CLA. Yeah. Uh, but who can't fuck off? Bang energy. And right. also anybody out there who is unleashing rockets low to high to the day we die. We out. Yeah, I'm gonna 
take my horse to the old town road I'm gonna ride till I can't no more I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road I'm gonna ride till I can't no more I got the horses in the back Horse stock is attached Head is mad at black Got the boosters black to match Riding on a horse ha, You can whip your Porsche I've been in the valley You ain't been up off that porch Now nah, can't nobody feel me Tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody 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 tell me nothing. Can't n